friend. Talk radio. Yes, talk radio. It's so boring, man. Okay. Mamma mia. Yeah. Mamma mia. Pass comes out from Roberts and is stuck. And now behind the net, Sundin jumps out in front. Leaves are all over the net there now. There's a chance at the line. Big shot by Cabernet. Shoots right in. Friday, February seventh, twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. That's a that's a bad joke. That was a good one. Thanks. Um, well, the intro was good. You, you, yeah. Yeah. The I'm joke, James Cole. The joke, like we could have done without, I guess. Could be used without a lot of things. Uh, I'm Bruce Vitaglia from the north side. Nice. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna get to the north side eventually. Hmm. <laughs> okay. You mean the article that I uh, finished and didn't submit because uh, something happened and now everything I had to say is irrelevant? Yeah, something along those yeah. lines. Yeah, uh, little little note to everyone out there. Uh, if you're ever looking to get into writing, uh, don't wait to post your stuff. Just do it. When it's done, just submit it. Just do it. Don't read it again. Don't edit it. Don't. That's why you have editors. <laughs> that's why you have editors. Just submit it. They'll fix it. Just get the piece done. What if they don't edit it in time? Well, whose who's fault is that, it then? Then that's their fault, isn't oh, okay. it? Okay, I don't, I don't know. I'm not that's in the business. That's their job. You tell me. Yeah, but you know how this works. You've you've written before. Have I? <laughs> Allegedly, uh, I did want to say at the top of the show, uh, and in regards to our intro for this week, uh, happy birthday to Gord Downey today. Yeah. Yes. Um, I guess. I guess. Uh, 2020. That that would have made him uh, 54. 55? Yeah, Google's available. Yeah, that's um, Can't do the math. Uh, it it would have made him uh, 56 today. Okay. 56 years old. Yeah. I was thinking, it was actually funny, last night I was actually uh, in my mind going about, uh, you know, thinking like, would we ever see like a, a Gord Downey tribute show? Uh, I started thinking of different different singers that could come in and, and shake their hips and, and mm-hmm. uh, put a little thing on for the late, great Gord. But uh, I, think, sure. I think enough time has passed now where we're probably not going to get one of those at this point. It'd be kind of weird, like, three years after his passing. I think now what you're going to get is just, like, a tribute um, show at the Junos and stuff like that. Like, that's pretty much the closest thing you're going to get. You might get, like, you know, everybody together to do, like, a, a Gord Downey tribute at the Junos. But that would be yeah. pretty much the extent of it, I think, at this point. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you know, like they do with the Grammys. Like I don't really watch the Grammys, but every like couple of years they'll get like fucking like nine singers together and they'll do like a a Dolly Parton tribute, even though she's like sitting in the audience. And it's just like I don't know. They'll do something, and there doesn't really seem to be any rhyme or reason to it. They'll just be like, "Hey, you know who was good? Led Zeppelin. Here's Adam Lambert. What? What are we doing? What is this for?" That's fair. I mean, like it's 
kind of weird they do that, but I, I guess I could see it happening. Yeah. Thoughts? Would is anyone that you'd like to sing, see sing a, a hip song? <sighs> Canadian artists would be good, right? Right, but I, like you know, you want to see Brian Adams up there singing Bob Cajun, whoever, whoever, whoever. I don't know if there's a specific artist I would like to hear their rendition of a hip song. Michael Bublé's Little Bones. I guess the Arkells would do a good Bob Cajun. Okay, Never really thought about it, yeah, but I guess uh, Brian Adams could do New Orleans is sinking pretty good. Wow. I would think. Wow. Okay. You know, I always took him for a more of a modern hip song kind of guy in okay. view, perhaps. Okay, maybe. Yeah, maybe. there might be something there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, who else is Canadian? Um, I Mother Earth could mash up all the songs together and still make it sound good somehow. What if we got like Benjamin from Billy Talent? He just get there, scream his way through a, a twist my arm, perhaps. Mmm, that would work. Oh, that's a good. That's a good fit. Twist my arm. <laughs> yeah, because he could just scream for like three and a half minutes while a little like bluesy riff mm-hmm. plays in the background. I'd be like, yeah, that's exactly Billy Talent. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Super Bowl was this past weekend. It was. Um, did you watch the game? <laughs> did you watch the big event? Not really. No. No. Just yeah, I just was all excited. The weren't in it no, no, I was all excited this year to watch the game because. Uh, uh, because the Patriots weren't in it, I'm like, oh, I'll go to a Super Bowl party and relax. And and then we did the bonus episode that day, so I edited it. And then when I was done editing it, uh, I took a nap. I woke up um, at literally as they were like blowing the whistle to signal the end of the second quarter. So I watched the halftime show, and then once that was done, dozed off again for about uh, 20 minutes, and then woke up midway through the third quarter. Ooh. So um, I watched the last quarter and a half of the game. That's all I needed to watch, really. Yeah, whatever. Um, well, yeah, I mean, um, unfortunately, as someone who was going to put money down on, on the 49ers and was very sure that they would win the game, uh, I saw the only part of the game they were bad in, apparently. Mm. But, um, yeah, whatever. Kyle Shanahan seems to have some issues when it comes to closing out games. We'll probably have to address that this offseason if you're the 49ers, but maybe what are you going to do? Maybe it's a Shanahan thing. Yeah? Uh Leafs haven't closed out a series. So. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I thought you meant in regards to his playing days. Oh, I'm like, I, I don't know if you heard know he played. <laughs> He'd, um, oh, Brendan Shanahan? Yeah, no, he won a few cups for sure. Oh, no, Brendan, I knew. Yeah. I thought you meant Kyle. Oh, no, I thought it was a Brendan Shanahan playing days. Too many Shanahan's. Yeah, there's, well, no, it's just two. Um, so you said there that you were, uh, you were kind of, you, you had it in your mind that the 49ers were going to win. Um, obviously that did not happen. Uh, mm-hmm. as the Chiefs, uh, Act out a, a a close win, a, a late rally, you might say. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I don't know about you, but like I was telling people, like they were always asking me all day long, like who you cheered for. Each I, I got to tell you, like it was Chiefs all the way for me. Okay, because if if I got to pick a team that hasn't won a championship in fifty years, uh, it'd be nice to know that they can do that and uh, and win one. I um I like one player on the Chiefs, and he's from Canada, and that's the only reason I like him. Um, and I don't dislike anyone on the 49ers, so that was kind of my reasoning. Okay. I like I like the Chiefs coach better. Okay. Like I don't really like Kyle Shanahan, but I do like Andy Reid because well, I mean, how you? could you not? Yeah. But um, trophy yeah. wife, trophy life. Yeah, you know, yeah. a couple cheeseburgers. I like them. Not a Mahomes guy. No, really, not really. Okay, he's not. What's to like? Uh, he just seems young and exciting, and um... yeah, I don't really find him that entertaining quite yet. Because okay. some games, like here, like here's a, people fall into highlight syndrome a lot when it comes to sports. Where yeah, Mahomes is good to watch on the highlights most weeks, 
Some weeks he's not. Um, but you remember what he did the week before, and then that's great. And like I don't know, I've watched him for sixty minutes before. It's sometimes he doesn't do anything, hmm. and I guess it's a nature of the beast. It's a nature of sports. But like, I find Aaron Rodgers more entertaining so far. Now maybe that's a, like a legacy thing because you know Aaron Rodgers might do something crazy because he's done a lot of crazy things. Whereas Mahomes is like, yeah, I don't know. He's played like twenty games. Like I, I don't right. know. You never know what you're getting. Okay. Um, he's 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 definitely good. Like, I'm definitely, you know, he's definitely the best quarterback in football, I would say, right now. But I don't really know that. I don't know. Okay. That's I, fair. I, yeah, I, I, you don't have to explain yourself to I me. I will you say know? this. He dazzled me in the Super Bowl, though. He won me over a bit. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, like, go, what I'm saying is going into the game. Like, he kind of won me over a bit in the Super Bowl. Um, he left off of the first half, so. Well, that's why I was sleeping. Had to do some dazzling, to yeah. be sure. Um, speaking of dazzling, did you uh, catch the halftime show? Oh. <laughs> did I ever. I did. Um, I, I I know there's been a lot of uh, some some outrage for some reason mm-hmm. uh, online since since nope. the show. Uh, any problems with the uh, halftime performance? You know, while we're on this topic, I should note that uh, we got a real nice episode coming up in a few weeks. Uh, this is episode 66, and uh, <laughs> for those of you that can count at home, um, there's a, a real like our, I would say our first actual milestone episode uh, in the history of the podcast. Well, up. I, I think 50 is worth... Is it nicer than... It's not nicer. Is but it it's, nicer? It's a milestone, I, I don't think. think. Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, okay. But well, we didn't need to celebrate it, but I think, you know, this is worth celebrating. Like, I think it's a special edition of the podcast coming up in a few weeks. We should we have a, a guest? We could. We could. Who knows what could happen? It's such going to be such a crazy episode. Who knows? I'm not going to lie, I'm a little nervous now. My hands are getting a little clammy. And... <laughs> um, yeah, no, I wasn't outraged. I thought it was great. I thought, I thought, you know, whatever. Um, like, I will, I will complain a little bit. I'm not really complaining, if you know what I mean. But what I will say is, um, I do like listening to live music. And I definitely would prefer that live music be the halftime show. And I'm not a big, you know dance routine guy no way now they certainly did a great job with those dance routines though so well, i'm definitely not complaining about the specific dance routines well who we, we might not know um i don't i don't know the choreography as well no. as others yeah maybe they did a bad job i yeah. don't know i enjoyed it good um i i was i was much more impressed with jennifer lopez because she was singing a lot of it whereas shakira didn't sing Ooh. a word I, which I, is tough i don't so. know if i agree with that one she definitely did, because she misspoke a couple times, which was kind of neat. Oh, okay. But, yeah, and you could okay. hear her like breathing a little bit. I don't know, unless they re- unless they pre-recorded the the live version of it, which is possible. But <laughs> but that's even better, um, you know. But um, yeah, whatever. It was entertaining. It's the main thing. Does the, like does anything have to change in terms of like? Is there something you'd prefer to see at the halftime show that isn't just strictly music and and dancing or? Nah. No, no I, li- I like it's, it. It's good where it is. Yeah, I think I think yeah. it's fine. Okay. Um, you know, people are going to complain for whatever reason, like you know. And uh, last year, I didn't think Maroon Five was all that bad, but whatever. Like you know, it's you don't uh, want to see like Chuck a Puck or something at halftime. Or... No, no, no. <laughs> it's what not a minor like league a, hockey game. It's like a, a like a minor Super Bowl. What about like a minor Tykes football game. No, no, you're losing me. Yeah. Puppy, this is, puppy bowl round two. This is why people don't watch intermissions as it is. What if we had like some some horse racing? 
this is well okay <laughs> something else to bet on anyway. uh <laughs> i'll take horse cock uh <laughs> Um, yeah, I'd bet on the ponies during the during the Super Bowl. Why not? <laughs> Let's just keep the gambling going. Who says no, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm good with the music. I think it's good. Um, you know, I I think they do a good job with the Super Bowl in the sense that <laughs> what a hilarious sentence. They do a good job putting on the Super Bowl. Um, you know, those those organizers, the unsung heroes of the world. Yeah. You know, and not a lot of people know about this Super Bowl event, but I'm telling you, it's gonna be big. I, I think they do a good job in the sense that the musical guests that they pick, they do a really good job at finding universally accepted artists, I think. Which is, you know what I mean? They don't really tend to schedule people that divide the audience where it's like, ah, they suck, ah, they're good. Like, you know, most people, like, Shakira's easy listening. No one has a hard opinion on Shakira. No one has a hard opinion on Jennifer Lopez. Because their music's just easygoing. It's pop, you know what I mean? They pick these pop artists, Beyonce... Uh, Lady Gaga. Back in the day, like twenty years ago, you'd see more rock bands because that was the that was the taste that everyone had, you know. And I think they do a good job now, anyway, within the last twenty years, maybe not in the nineties, of picking um, artists that everyone wants to see. And I think they do a good job with that, so I'm fine with it. Do, do you like the multiple multiple performer thing, or would you would you like to see like one? Act go out there and maybe have a bit more of a It depends on the multiple spotlight. performer, right? Like they've they've brought people they've brought more people in in the last few years where it's like I'm watching a halftime show and I legitimately have no idea who this person is. Um, yeah, that's who was the Tin Man that was there this oh, year? Oh, I don't know. There were several yeah. people I didn't know this okay. year. I don't know. Was LL Cool J there? Was that him? I, I could not recognize because I know she has a crowd. song with LL Cool J, but I couldn't recognize if it was him or not. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like a, a few years ago, like Travis Scott was there. And I know the name. Yeah, I I, I couldn't identify no. a Travis Scott song if you not. played a bunch of rap songs to me. I wouldn't. You could be able have to told me that apart. he was a skateboarder, and I'd be like, yeah. "Oh, okay." Uh, fun fact: I get Travis Scott mixed up with the uh, with the drummer from Blink One Eighty Two, who is Travis Barker. Mm. I just see Travis, and I just assume. Now, will anything ever top the uh, 04 performance of Creed at the halftime show? Did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> at the NFL halftime show? Yes. Of the Super Bowl, not of like a the one and only preseason game. Nope. Hmm. Didn't I don't ever remember seeing they, that. Uh, they played higher, and they had like a guy come down in on like on like white acrobatic ropes and like swing around up high in the air, and then land on the field, and then take off again. And it was very angelic. And Buddy was running around with a a Scott. What's his last name? Sap. Stap. Stap. Scott Stap jersey. It was. Uh, Something you can't unsee it is kind of what I'm saying. 2004 was Jessica Simpson, P. Diddy, Nelly, and Kid Rock. I just like I'm not doubting that they ever did. It's just I, uh, I don't know, man. Um, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not really into Creed. If that's what you're saying, I'm not really hoping that they uh, that they bring Creed back or anything like that. You know what they did bring back though? Hmm. Uh, the XFL. Yeah. Um, Let's do it. XFL back. This is uh, opening weekend, I believe. Um, yeah, I, I've been I've I've been told that you you've, you've already got yourself signed up. You got a team. You get a jersey on the way. Yeah, well, you bought the hat. I, I got a nice little exercise for you today. Oh, is what we're gonna do, and um, I, I've decided to cheer for the Dallas Renegades, and I'm gonna tell you why. Now, for those kids at home that are listening, because this is a hockey podcast, I need to teach you a little something about the XFL. What now, is the XFL? If you've Bruce? never heard of the XFL, kids. 
Uh, the XFL is the Extreme Football League. You know how Extreme starts with an X? Yeah, that used to exist in the, uh, I don't know, 2001, I think maybe was the, uh, the well, maybe inaugural Creed season. Maybe plays a halftime show. At that the makes a lot more sense, okay. yeah. That seems like more of a of a <laughs> Creed type of, it was like Creed and Corn. But it was but it was during play, like the players had to go around. Oh yeah, that makes, that makes more <laughs> sense. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know, there's actually a band playing in the middle of the field during XFL games. Am I lying? Who's to say? Uh, the XFL is created by and owned by Vince McMahon, and it is meant to do as good of a job of combining wrestling and football as they can. Basically, it's just a um, less safe NFL. So, uh, for example, if you don't know, back when the XFL used to exist, instead of doing a kickoff and doing a coin flip for the kickoffs, uh, you'd have one t- representative from one team in his end zone, and one representative from the other team in his end zone, and the ball would be at the 50-yard line in the middle of the field, and the whistle would go, and they just had to dash and go grab the ball. Um, So if you uh, are picturing it in your head, yes, it was made to create concussions, Um, which it did. In the first game, the first play in the history of the XFL created a concussion. Um, This league lasted, I think, maybe maybe one year? Could have been two. Um, didn't go well. And so Vince McMahon's decided, you know what? People have forgotten. We're going to try this again. We're going to do it a little differently. Uh, people have not forgotten, Vince. Uh, th- that 30 for 30 lives it forever, which I will say, top three 30 for 30 ever. Um, yeah, so uh, anyway, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna watch. We're going to see how it's going to go. It's like a car wreck, right? You know, I, I, I'm going to watch it ironically. I'm going to watch it ironically. I've picked a team. We'll see how this goes and whatever. But I'm going to cheer, cheer for the Dallas Renegades. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because, like I said, it's a league that is loosely based off wrestling. And so in prime wrestling fashion, of course, all eight teams have a slogan. And my favorite team, the Dallas Renegades, has the only slogan that I think is even remotely good. Uh, which is Raising Hell... From the opening bell. And it's okay. Like, it's not great, but it's okay. And, you know, because the hashtag on Twitter is hashtag raising hell. And, you know, it actually sounds kind of cool. Um, the other seven slogans are not good. Uh, so, I am going to give you seven slogans, James. And I want you to tell me if this is a real or fake XFL slogan. Did I make it up? Or is this real? Okay. You ready? You're going to give me seven? I'm going to give you seven. Okay. And you have to tell me one by one if they're real or fake. Okay. 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 Number one. The Viper's Trap from the opening snap. Is that real or fake? That sounds pretty real. Hmm. Uh, I made that up. Uh, That is a made-up slogan for the Tampa Bay Vipers. Would you like to hear their real one? Can't say no now. From opening hike, ready to strike. Are there a lot of plays that open with a hike? I guess we'll find out when the Vipers play on Saturday. Uh, Number two. L.A. to the core, ready to roar. Well, if it was written by Randy Newman, (laughs) yes. If not, then probably not. Oh, man. Um... I'm gonna go. Can can you repeat it one more time? I gotta. Uh, I gotta yeah, I'll, I'm gonna try. Voice. L.A. to the core, 
Ready to roar. And what's the name of the L.A. team? Uh, it is the L.A. Wildcats. I'm going to go with real. That is the real L.A. Wildcats slogan. You are one for two. One for two. Hmm. Um, number three. Wire to wire, breathing fire. Now, where does the wire come from? Mm. Like, is that a football thing? Well, you know, like down to the wire, you know. Um, okay. Now, it's possible that whoever made this slogan thinks that it's also uh, maybe the, the game takes place in a wrestling ring. <laughs> right? Wire to wire. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a wrestling thing. Who's to say? I'm going to go with real. It is real. Uh, that is the Seattle Dragons slogan. Uh, I guess uh, they can't name the Seattle hockey team the Seattle Dragons now. That's too bad. Yeah, what a missed opportunity. Uh, number four, playing hard and standing guard. This is too good. I can't even tell when they're real. I've, I've been checking the ones that I, like, you know, I, I I don't even know. Standing guard and playing hard. Playing hard and standing guard. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's important to understand the order in which they do these tasks. Okay, so, so what teams remain? Well, we're looking for the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks, the Houston Roughnecks, the New York Guardians, and the D.C. Defenders. I'm going to say this is fake. This is fake. I made this one up. Uh, Would you like to hear the real New York Guardian slogan? You know I do. Standing guard in their yard. Which is worse than the one I came up with. So. Whose yard? uh, You're three for four. Yeah, I don't know. Someone's yard. Number five, big and bruising, tough like Houston. (laughs) Big and bruising... Tough like Houston. I hope it's real. I made that up. Uh, we, we were looking for Ready, Rough, and H-Town Tough, which again, I think mine's better. Not by much. Neither, <laughs> neither are particularly There's no good. Here. No, <laughs> it really isn't. Uh, other than the uh, Dallas Renegades, they're the winners. Uh, number six. Sorry, you're uh, you're four, you're uh, three for five. Silver and blue, born in the loo. Is that a real or made up slogan? What, what is the loo? Like that? That's mm. the that's the washroom in, mm. in Britain. There's no way someone printed that. Mm, well, no, that's that's fake. Maybe, uh, maybe the this person has bowel problems. Um, you're saying it's fake? Yeah. Uh, this is a real slogan for the St. Louis Battlehawks. Born in the loo. Mm-hmm. Born in the bathroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Born in the shitter. Mm-hmm. Silver and blue, born in the loo. Uh, so you are, you're three for six, and this is make or break time. Were they silver and blue because they were drowning in, in the loo? I, what would be blue in the bathroom? Would it be like the, the, the cleaner? The cleaner? Yeah. yeah maybe. Maybe. Uh, all right, James, for all the marbles, you ready? Sure. Never break or bend, ready to defend. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, I'm, 
I like this quiz. That's real. I made that up. Would you like to hear the real DC Defenders slogan? The name of a comic book that uh, Defenders by DC Comics? <laughs> maybe. Which would open yourself up to maybe an even better slogan. Um, however, they chose to go with red and white ready to fight. Terrible. Yeah. How do you root for that team? That's better than most of them. They got two colors. They don't really have any discernible logo. Don't really have a hometown. And uh, they don't really have a slogan. It's like they don't even really exist. There's no lo- There's no mascot. Their, their mascot is their defense. What if their defense sucks? They're primed for relocation is what we're saying. I hope their defense is the worst. Now, uh, fun fact, when you go to the XFL website and you go to the teams section, if you scroll down... Um, there is a page for Team 9, which I, I don't really know what that is. Uh, it's an extra squad. And these players are able to... Uh, so they're free agents, I guess? That's yeah, uh, it's a weird, weird league, James. So does this extra squad play games? <laughs> I don't think so. I think they maybe just practice together and then they... Maybe they get signed? Um, predictably, so... I have never heard of a player on the roster, so... There's no, like, 32-year-old career NFL guy that just couldn't hack it that's now gone off for the big bucks? Uh, no, they're all on teams already, so... <laughs> well, that was fun. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, I'm glad you're you're not an XFL master. Well, it, that's actually, if I was, it'd be kind of weird. If you're going to lose a quiz, that would be one to lose. Dustin Bufflin. Hmm. We got some news. We told you guys back in October... We'd keep you updated. Mm-hmm. Um, after five long months, mm-hmm. we have an update. We have an update. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it sounds as though the Jets and uh, Big Buff are uh, working on mutually terminating the contract, mm-hmm. uh, which would get him out of his uh, $6 million cap hit and uh, essentially no, render... No, cap hit's way higher than that. You, you are the expert on maybe, Bufflin. Maybe salary. Well, the Jets more so. Maybe that was the salary. 7-6, yeah. I believe. Uh, somewhere in that range. He's got, yeah, one year left and on 7-6. Seven, 7-6. Six. Seven, six. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a tough situation, I would say. To me, like, like what we're dealing with here is, is, you know, I don't know if we've heard anything to really take a side or, or pass judgment on either end right now. Um, you know, a lot of people are going after Bufflin and, and my thought is that there's, there's probably more to his side of the story. I don't imagine that a professional athlete, um, just makes the conscious decision, um, to screw himself out of, you know, close to $10 million just because, uh, like, it doesn't really make sense to me. If you hate a, a team or a, a city that much, um, then A, why did you sign the contract in the first place? How come you've been playing there for eight years? Uh, and, and, you know, like, it just doesn't make any sense. So, like, something has to have happened there. And whether Bufflin's at fault or the Jets are at fault, I don't know. But it's not one of those things where I look at it like Ed Bell, or, at, at, sorry, that uh, Dustin Bufflin decided he wanted to screw over the Winnipeg Jets. I, I don't really look at Dustin Bufflin as, as someone like that. It's, it's hard to say exactly what happened here, and more is going to come out in regard to the story, but... Um, it's definitely a difficult situation for both sides. Like, I don't think this is good news for either side. Um, like, sure, the Jets free up the cap space, but now their defense is for sure bad. 
Like, that's the issue, is, is you know, they were always kind of hoping maybe Bufflin comes back and maybe this gets smoothed over and we get Dustin Bufflin back. They're not getting Dustin Bufflin back now. They're not getting anyone even close to that. You know, their, their best defenseman's Josh Morrissey, who's proven that he can't play on a number one pairing by himself. So, yeah, it's not, it's not great news. Right. I think, I think a large part of that and foresight and hindsight and, and, and all that into account, but you look at what they lost over the summer and again, like I, I agree with you. I, I don't think it's fair to pass any judgment without hearing both sides of the story, but it's really tough to sit here and go, Hey, if only we had an extra seven, six to spend in the summer and maybe keep one or two of these defensemen that we had to let walk. Uh, because absolutely, because but if you're the, right. Uh, if the jets are in the wrong, in the wrong there, right? Like that's the issue is if the jets are in the wrong, then why should Bufflin have, Oh yeah, no. Let's terminate my contract so you guys can win this year. Like, you know what I mean? That's a thing. Like, if it was a standoff in the summer, then why should Bufflin cave at all? You know what I mean? Like, uh, well, I, okay. I, I just I'm, I've I've never really considered. I guess the the Jets being at fault in any in any way. Uh, the the very vague reports around this is that the Jets were trying to not pay Bufflin for seeking a second medical opinion and then that medical opinion recommending surgery. So he went away from the team doctors and they're trying to not compensate him for it being a hockey injury when it clearly, like, you know, he's saying that it is and they're saying that it's not. And, you know, either way, like, who I don't know when. I don't even know what the injury is specifically. Like, mm. they're just saying ankle. Or if they're even really confirmed that, like, you know, lower body injury is the only thing that's been confirmed. So, it's just, there's so many murky details is all I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't know, because for every detail I've heard about Bufflin being in the wrong, I've heard that the Jets might be in the wrong, too. And so, like, I'm a, I, I like the Jets, like, obviously, they're my, they're my 1B team, I would say. Bufflin is my favorite player in the league. I don't know that I have an allegiance to either one here. I don't really care who's right or wrong. To be honest with you, I kind of hope Bufflin's in the wrong because uh, the Jets are a team that are, you know, virtually like a non-option to get any high-end free agents. And if they're doing stuff like this, um, then they've got a lot of long-term issues to look at moving forward. But um, So I kind of hope it is Bufflin just being an idiot. Yeah, I, I have a hard time seeing, you know, an NHL franchise doing something that would, you know, go to that length especially uh, that one it's just i could see an nhl yeah. franchise doing it i probably shouldn't name which ones but you people listen to this podcast you know which teams i don't really trust the ownership and the management of the jets are not one of them yeah the jets are one of the franchises that by all accounts are first class and i can't see them doing anything of wrongdoing mm-hmm. um you know there was one one story that someone alleges that Bufflin hurt himself hunting in, in the summer, or fishing, or something. And it was a pre-existing injury, and he's trying to get work done to it, but he made it worse on his own. And, and there's the whole battle of whether or not the Jets feel that they should pay for it. And now it's, instead of being a thousands of dollar legal battle, become a million dollar sure. issue. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, it's tough. I... Uh... I guess at the end of the day, it's it's over with. We can kind of, we can kind of, in a sense, move on from it and say that it's we're not sitting around waiting anymore. Um, there seems to be a decision. Uh, Dustin Bufflin won't be a Winnipeg Jet at any point this season, and, and probably 
won't be a Winnipeg Jet ever again. Um, where where does this leave the Jets? Is is Shevel Day off in by now? We got the deadline coming up in a few weeks here. There's not a ton of defensemen out there uh, that are floating around in terms of you know trade options, but Winnipeg is I think they're in, in a tough spot where they're close enough to you know being in that in that playoff race um but with some glaring holes and and one of them of course being that defense core is there anybody that comes to mind for you that they could target that they could go out and try to you know convince and and you know take on maybe a bad contract now to to you know pry somebody away from a team um not nothing big really i mean yeah like like a guy like Pajot, i think fits their needs in terms of you know the lineup spots that they need to make better. I don't think Pajot really fits their scheme, their 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 style as a team, uh, particularly as a center. Like he's just not really the type of center that um, fits with the Jets. I don't think. But it, it's tough. Uh, what what I if I'm Kevin Day off, I'm I'm not really um, looking to do anything. I don't think. I I don't really know. That I would be selling all that much, and I don't really know that I'd be buying at all. The, the issue with selling right now is, you know, you you could probably get a pick for Nick Shore, you get a pick for um, Logan Shaw, Gabriel Bork, maybe Mason Appleton, you know, a, a good chunk of your defensemen. But I don't really know that I would want to force a younger player up into the lineup right now. I don't know if this year is the right situation to bring them into. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Um, one thing I know is that if they do want to sell these pieces and let the kids come up and let the kids play and things don't go well on the ice, is that they at least have a coach that can reinforce them off the ice. Paul Maurice has become a a much more relaxed, calm sort of, you know, leadership presence as opposed to what he was, you know, 10, 15 years ago when he was a little bit more of a of a, of a shouter, a hard-nosed type of coach, and he's adjusted his style big time, and I think he's the type of coach that, you know, young players can thrive under right now. He's the right coach to lead them into a rebuild if that's kind of where they got to go, or a retooling. I don't know if they need a complete teardown. Um, they're in a tough spot, though, because I, I, I don't know that they have a, a, a legitimate, like, they don't have a legitimate number one defenseman, um, but they're they're fairly deep, deep up, at, up at forward, and they do have a particularly good goalie. They just need to find a way to kind of fill the gaps here. And um, I don't know that one defenseman or one forward really does that for them. So it's kind of a difficult situation. The, one, the only game name that comes to mind, and I am a little curious, but I don't think they're willing to pay the price, would be Alec Martinez. But other than that, um, I don't really know. And I guess the big, uh, the other big question now is is will we see Dustin Bufflin in the NHL uh, in any capacity as a player? Well, that's the interesting thing, right? Like they're talking about contract termination and everyone around Toronto the next day. Like obviously you got to fill radio time. I, I know how that works, but everyone's going around talking. You know how good of a fit is Dustin Bufflin in Toronto? And the answer is obviously perfect, like perfect, obviously. But the issue is that, and the main report from Elliot Friedman when all this news came out the other day was that they're working toward a contract termination. It doesn't sound like Dustin Bufflin's ankle is anywhere near where it needs to be to be tested. That's all you need to hear. He's not playing again this season. 
based on what we hear, if he's not skating now, he's not playing again this year. There's just no way. It doesn't make any sense. Um, Does he play again in the NHL? I would have to imagine so. But that's assuming he wants to play. That's the big thing, yeah. If he wants to play, there's going to be an opportunity for him. But whether or not he wants to play, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's still young enough. Like it's it's not like we're talking about a guy that's thirty six, thirty seven years old. Depends how that ankle is, right? Like yeah. that's a big thing. It really, really depends how that ankle is, and and none of us, none of us know because this situation's so delicate. Um, none of us are gonna know until until he's probably under contract with someone. It, it's gonna be a while until I think we all know exactly what's going on. Yeah, uh, in terms of the extent I, of that injury, I gotta tell you, I was. Uh, not down uh, for Dustin Bufflin when uh, all the uh, two Toronto uh, rumors started up on Twitter. Uh, it just it, it baffles my mind that you you go through what we did with Willie Nylander there missing half a season last year, and you're going to tell yourself that you want to sign a guy to come in and play big minutes. Well, that, like that's what I mean, right? Yeah. Like it's I, he's a perfect fit, assuming we're talking about a healthy, a healthy. Two years Been ago, Dustin Bufflin. Like, how does he fit on Toronto? Well, he fits on any team because he's better than, um, like, pretty much any defenseman in the NHL. Like, there's eight to thirteen that are maybe better than him when he's healthy, uh, if that. Hmm. So, you know, assuming he's healthy, yeah, he's a, absolutely, literally the exact player the Leafs need. But is he healthy? No, he's not. We we already know that. I'm I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll see him again. It, it would. Uh... Wouldn't really feel like the NHL without Big Buff in it. I tell you one thing: I really don't believe we're ever going to see a player like him again. I don't know if we're ever going to see a, a player that can swing to two to positions and be just as effective. A player so big, but able to keep up with the play the way he does in terms of his speed. If he gets caught off guard and he doesn't have the foot speed to do something, you know he's got the reach to fix, make make up for it. Like he literally is kind of your dream player if you're an NHL coach. He's a he's a dream player. He's a big unit out there for sure, and uh, one that could actually skate, which uh, we found out from your Hal Gills uh, wasn't really the case for all the big boys back on defense. So, um, No, sir. <laughs> imagine, yeah. imagine Hal Gill was that good? <sighs> Maybe he was, we just didn't know it. Uh, if you follow Hal Gill on Twitter, he'll be the first person to admit that uh, he was not that good. So hmm. he's a good follow. He's very funny. Oh yeah, yeah. Can't say I, I have much time for Hal Gill. Hmm. He's, uh, uh, he's a commentator now. Is he? Yeah, he, uh, he does. Uh, How does col- he fit in the studio? He does. Well, he's between the benches. He does oh. the color for the uh, for the uh, Predators. Nice. Mm-hmm. Did he play for the Predators? He did. I believe that's where he retired. Oh, good for him. Mm-hmm. That's that probably makes more sense than. Him just getting a job in Nashville. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like, can you think of anyone who maybe commentates teams that they didn't play for? You know, Ray Ferraro. Uh, he's, he's like a he's a multi-team guy though. He's mo- he's mostly Ottawa and Toronto, and he did not play for either team. That's for sure. Yeah, somebody with his employer. I'm told. Can you tell me where Hal Gill retired? I'm assuming it's not Nashville. No. <laughs> Philly. Yeah. <laughs> Six games. No way. Yeah. He did not record a point. Wow. Yeah. Pulled that out of my ass. Um, 111 playoff games for Hal Gill. He didn't score a goal. Six assists. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. 
Are you more surprised that he played 111 games in the playoffs or that he didn't score a goal? That he played 111 games okay, in the I playoffs. Okay, I thought you were like, he didn't score a goal in the playoffs? <laughs> I'm like, what great playoff memory of Hal Gill do you have? Yeah, uh, for those Stanley wondering... Stanley Cup champion Hal Gill, how dare For those that you? couldn't make it out at the top of the episode, that uh, that highlight clip was Hal Gill uh, mm. going bar down in the playoffs. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, certainly not. So, are, Brutes, are you familiar with the NHL schedule maker? No. No? You've never noticed a a problem uh, with some of the timing? Wait, are are you telling me it's one guy? You're saying schedule maker. It's a guy? You know, it's probably a department, but I like to imagine it's it's one old guy that's been doing it since like the 60s. Hey, uh, is this TD Garden? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's Rick calling. Uh, just telling you, you're going to have to cancel that Madonna concert on April 11th. Really? Yeah, you got a game. The Panthers are in town. Should be good. Everybody have fun. Maybe have a bobblehead night. Hal Gill bobblehead night. Yeah. Hangs up. Next, next name on the list. Is this TD Gardens? <laughs> you're going to have to cancel that Nick Jonas concert on February 23rd. The Wilder in town. It's rivalry night. <laughs> rivalry night. This is Rick. <laughs> yeah, you said that. Um, God, that Rick guy keeps calling. So, so Rick has has had some problems. Hello, Eugene Melnick. With, uh, with scheduling uh, the games, you're gonna and, have to cancel the only concert you have this year. Planning certain events, and it, it, you know. So and so has played twenty seven games by week two, and other teams are on game three. One of the more surprising uh, mishaps that I will admit that I've I've come to enjoy is scheduling the Flames and Oilers mm. four times between December twenty seventh and February first. Yeah, four games against their biggest rival. In just over a month, when you take away the bye week, when you take away the All Star break, it really is within a month worth of scheduling that these these guys are playing. Yeah, less even. Yeah. Um, I, I remember we. I know we talked about the uh, the Matt Kachuk hits, the pummeling uh, that he endured. Uh, did we? I thought we did. I don't even know if we've addressed this rivalry. Have yet. we not? I don't think so. Oh goodness. No. Okay. Well, Saved it all for the end. We knew it was coming. Well, not the end. We're prof- <laughs> it's we're, far from the end we're now. We're prophets. Yeah. We're gypsies. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Are we? Do you want to be? Yeah, I don't... I don't... Like, I'm, I'm looking back at the last few episodes. I don't think we've talked about this one. So, uh, I guess January 11th. We'll, we'll start there. Mm-hmm. January 11th. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers are in Calgary for a game against their bitter rivals. Uh, shortly before the All-Star break. And uh, two good teams. The Pacific's up for grabs. Hot points on the line. Uh, the game actually uh, will determine who walks away with first place at the end of it. Uh, the Oilers win 4-3. Th- sorry, the Flames win 4-3 in regulation. But only because Zach Cassian is sitting in the box, serving a two-minute penalty for... Uh, I don't know, what, what's the what's the term I want to use? Ragdolling Matthew Kachuk. Sure, is that a, that that works? Okay, that's that's good. Yeah. Um, he took exception to a few hits that were thrown earlier in the game. 
tosses the guy around. Flames get a power play, win the game. Mm-hmm. Boom. Game one. Game one done. They meet a little over two weeks later, this time in Edmonton. And the Flames, once again, come out on top. Uh, this time in, in a shootout. A shootout. A uh, close game. Goes to overtime. Some great three-on-three action. Ruined by a shootout. Uh, Cassian and Kachuk fight. You know, they drop the mittens. Monaghan and Nugent Hopkins fight. Mm-hmm. For some reason. Zach Ronaldo was dressed. Didn't fight. He was yelling, though. Oh, he was yelling. He got in on the yelling, but... Uh... Three nights later, uh, the two teams would meet again. This time in Calgary. Um, and despite the three previous losses uh, to their bitter rivals, the Oilers come out on top this time. Mm-hmm. Resoundingly so. Uh, with an 8-3 win. Mm-hmm. Got very heated. Saw some fights. Saw a goalie fight. Saw some ejections. Sure. I think the rivalry's back. A fire burning out in Alberta. And it's uh, being fueled by some oil. Is this a There Will Be Blood co- commentary episode? or? I, I wouldn't say no. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, like, here's the thing, though, is, like, like, it boils over now, and then they play again, what, the, the last game of the season? Last game of the is season. The, is the last meeting they have? Yeah. So it's two months for stuff to, to, to happen or not happen, and basically for this situation to completely diffuse, and I don't know what that last game of the season's gonna look like, but I don't think it's gonna look like these four. Like, that, that, that's my thing, is, is... Either one of these teams is in the playoffs and one isn't, and you're going to see a lot of guys scratch that night on both sides, unless it's playoff implications for one of them, and then maybe you see the, the, the Goudreaux and stuff in the lineup. Funny how I singled out a player from one team there. Part of me thinks that, you know, we're getting spoiled now and, and it's not going to get much better after this. Well, now let me give you a very real scenario. Uh, we go into that final game, and the Oilers and Flames are locked into second and third, let's say, in the division. And they know they're playing each other. Mm-hmm. But home ice is up for grabs. For sure. I think I think at that point, you you know who you're getting the next at least four games, if not more. Mm-hmm. And you have the chance to swing the advantage in your favor. I think that's a hot, that's a hot ticket. That's a big game. Maybe. Is it not? If it happens, yeah, I, I'm betting it doesn't. Is oh, okay. my is my point? Well, it's it's more likely not to happen than to happen. But like the like the weirdest thing about all this is, like, I don't think the Flames or the Oilers are a particularly good hockey team. Um, I also don't have any faith in any team below the Flames in the standings either. Uh, I also don't have faith in the Coyotes right now. Like, I feel like doesn't it feel like every team in the West is just terrible? Like, aren't we there other than, other than obviously, St. Louis? You know? Blues, Blues are good, yeah. Um, doesn't everyone just feel bad? It, it definitely doesn't feel like the Western Conference of old. No. But... Remember when the East used to be bad, like, yeah, five years ago? Now the East is good. But, like, someone has to play somebody. That's, you know, that's what that, I mean. That's, like, someone's got to make it, but... Yeah. I don't know. Like, if, if it's a meaningful game, you know... The other the other thing is the chances of it getting out of control, I think, is lower because it's such a meaningful game. I think both coaches are going to be telling their guys to shut the fuck up out there and play hockey. We need these two points type oh, thing, for sure. right? So when the game's in, in 
reach. Yeah, it's it's hard to sit here and say what's going to happen two months from now, so there's no real point in doing it. But I would take your point, though, when you say that the rivalry's back and maybe it'll swing, swing into next year. I think there's a better chance because um, I'd be willing to bet that the Oilers and the Flames are a more are better teams next year, are more structured, are more prepared for the season, because neither team really seemed all that prepared for the year. The Oilers came in, and they win 9 of their first 11 or whatever it is, and it's like, oh yeah, by the way, McDavid played 29 minutes those nights. It's like, oh, that's uh, not sustainable through 82 games, and if it is, it's not sustainable through 164 games. So that's that's all well and good, but you're going to need a new plan. That plan isn't going to work. The Flames come into the year, and it's like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, coach gets fired, and then Jeff Ward comes in, and it's like, oh, we're going to play defense, and it's that's great. You don't have enough depth to get the goals every night, so if you're going to play defensive hockey, you better play it flawlessly, because if you make one mistake, you're fucked. You're going to need a new plan. Neither of these teams seem like they really fit the identities that they've built for themselves in the long term. I think in the short term, like they're both playing fine, but... All I'm saying is, I don't look at either as a serious threat to win the Stanley Cup. Maybe they're a serious threat to go deep in the West, because as we just talked about, the West sucks. Yeah, someone's got to win the Pacific. But, so, yeah. um, and that's the thing too, like if we're talking what teams to come out of the Pacific, like they're at the bottom of my list, like I would, I would bet the Coyotes before either of those two, to be honest with you, because I think the Coyotes just have a goalie that can get hotter than either of those other two. So, well, they have two goalies, I guess. So, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to see, was I entertained by these games? Yes. Yes, I was. Uh, it was nice to see a goalie fight. Um, it's a shame that there was only one goalie in the goalie fight, but that, you know, that's a argument for another day. You're saying one of them is not a good goalie? Or? No, I'm, I'm saying only one goalie showed up to the goalie fight. Oh. Cam Talbot looks like a, looked like a lost fish out there. Well, he... You know how uh, he looked like when uh, uh, slamming Sammy's tail wags when he's on that, uh, you know, when he's on the wall there? You know he's damn singing. well I haven't interviewed him yet. Take me to the river. Yeah, but you know what he looks like. You've done, like, at least, like, character research on this fish, no? You haven't done, like, a little bit of digging in? Oh, man. Five months away. He's a fish. He's yeah. pinned to the wall. He's smoking a dart sometimes. Ooh, it's pretty good. Smoking. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, 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 like, right there with you, it was a very entertaining three games. I guess let's go back, because we didn't talk about it, let's go back to that first interaction, the Kachuk uh, getting ragdolled by Cassian sure. thing. Um, what, what were your thoughts on on the actions of that game? Because like I said, like you, you walk away with a power play because your goon got mad at the other you know team and you lose the game on a, on a power play goal. And not only that, but at the time trailing in the in the division you know now you've lost first place in your division yeah so what's the question how did you feel about cassian going after kachuk the way he did yeah well i don't know if i completely see the skating out from behind the net with the puck and someone throwing a hit on you as dirty as people talk about it being i don't really understand why that's a dirty hit that's just a hit with a guy with his head down what i what i don't like is is kachuk continually taking runs at guys and then Cassian, you know, understandably was maybe a little too upset. But um, he, regardless, he had reason to be upset. And I, I didn't love that Kachuk didn't stand up for it. But I don't really know that Cassian should have approached it the way he did either. 
Uh, Cassian maybe was right to get suspended, but I also thought Kachuk probably should have been suspended for the second hit because he was clearly just running around out there. Uh, but what do you suspend him for? I don't know. It was a tough situation. You know, ultimately, like if I, if I, honestly, if I had to side with anyone there, I kind of side with Cassian. Although I don't think the, the that I don't I don't know I don't look at it as dirty of a hit as Cassian really looked at it as. But what I would have taken exception to is the fact that could, a guy's taking runs at you and then doesn't really want to answer the bell. I think the whole hockey code thing is kind of stupid, though. Like, yeah, he probably should have fought just for the whole you know, stand up for yourself type thing. I don't really know if I buy that he had to fight, though. Like, he didn't have to. He chose not to. He didn't. I don't like it, but it doesn't mean that it was wrong. <laughs> like, Cassie, or the Kachuk's not wrong for not fighting. It's just, I don't know, maybe not the the best way to instill confidence in the way that you play hockey. But, um, I don't know. I don't really have much hard opinion on it. It's just, it was uh, a couple big boys going at each other. I thought it was absolutely moronic by Cassian. Okay. I, I saw, like, zero logic behind his intention. If, if you're mad that some guy keeps hitting you every time you touch the puck, maybe stop touching the puck. Because if that's what is going to piss you off, then A plus B equals C. Like, let's... What, what are you doing out there? If you're going to get upset every time someone, you know, blows a kiss at you, then get off the ice and, you know, fill the water bottles and, you know, rah, rah, rah on the bench because... I don't get it. Like you're out there to play hockey, and you get you get run once. You get run like Matt Kachuk is not out there, you know, taking names. He sees the guy with the puck. You're gonna get hit if you've got the puck. He doesn't care if it's Zach Cassian or his little brother Brady. He's gonna hit you. So when he's on the ice with you, I think you have to you know have the awareness to say, hey, uh, I've got the puck. I know there's a guy on their team that likes to hit the guy with the puck. So maybe I should be, you know, taking a look around to find out where that guy is or just getting rid of the puck if I don't want to get hit. Uh, the idea that you, you get to this level where, you know, we're talking about the code and, like, give me a break. Like, this this isn't 1990 anymore. This is this is 2020. The game's changed. Uh, if you can't keep up, if you can't play the game, like... I'm sorry, like, why, why does Matt Kachuk have to, to suffer because you get pissed off in a, in a tie game where, you know, your team is, you know, probably the worst team on the ice. Like, like the Edmonton Oilers without Connor McDavid, whoa, we're not even talking about division leads and playoff appearances. This, this is another chapter of, of, of misery for that mm-hmm. franchise. So... You know, sometimes you got to go to work and just grit your teeth and, and get through it. And well, the the thing for me is, and, and I I don't I won't know this unless I talk to Zach Cassian directly. Is Makachuk took about eight to ten strides when he went in to hit him and should have been suspended for that. But does Cassian know that he's taking that many strides? Like I don't know how aware Cassian was of where Kachuk was on the ice. So I don't know how he really knows that Kachuk charged at him that bad is my other thing. So I, I think he was just mad that he got hit. But maybe he did know where Kachuk was. I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't like the second hit. The first hit when Cassian's got the wraparound and he's got his head down and he gets hit. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's why people don't do wraparounds all the time. Like, well, you know yeah. what I mean? You might get hit. And, so, and at that point, you have, to, you have to let the referees do their job. Like, if you're going to sit there and get upset because you think a guy charged mm-hmm. at you, well then... Hey, yeah. Uh, 
Well, and that's the whole argument too. Like that, that's what, you know, people thought was hilarious with Cassian making the argument is, is, do you buy that whole, let the referee do your job? Or do you still look at the game like people used to 20 years ago? And Cassian clearly looks at it in a more old school way. Whereas I don't know if Kachuk does, or I don't, I don't really know. It's, it's always hard with these pests that don't really seem to have any moral compass, right? You don't really know how they actually think about things like the, the you know, and I think that's what angers Cassian is, you know, you could make the argument if, if, if a guy like Kachuk existed 20 years ago, you know, it looks like that he has no respect for the game is how, is how you consider it back then. How do you look at it now? Like, I don't know if that's the right way to approach it anymore. I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's exactly the way I would look sure. at it, but regardless, all I know is that on that second hit, like he very clearly got charged and, and if he knew that he got charged I understand why he's that mad, I, I probably would have defended myself as well. Cause it probably doesn't look like the refs are going to either way. Um, but, uh, but either way, I, I don't know. I don't really know that I side with either of them. I kind yeah. of think they're both in the right and the wrong. I, I think at the end of the day, like, my, 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 my bigger point, though, is I think at the end of the day, you have to be consciously aware that there's a bigger picture here. There's a bigger story than Zach versus Matt. And you have to be able to say to yourself, winning the game is probably a little bit more important than going after this guy that, you know, has... I think Cassian would have gone after whoever, though. I don't think it was because it was Kachuk. Regardless, I, I think you as Zach Cassian have to say, my team is trying to win a hockey game. We're trying to make the playoffs... We might not, and we're potentially like first place in this division right now. Connor McDavid could go as, blow his knee out next week, and and you have to bank enough points to assure that you're going to make it. Mm-hmm. You, you can't be taking dumb penalties so, late in hockey games that but, are tied. But the okay, but he doesn't realize it's going to be a dumb penalty because he assumes that this guy's going to fight him, which oh. is a, is a, is a well, he should have, well, he should have though. Like Kachuk should stand up for what he's doing. But why? you know, my my thought here is that. If, you know, if Cassian just kind of skates away, it does give the Flames life, right? And that's what he's trying to do is take away the momentum that they, they got from the hit. And again, I'm not saying that that, you know, totally makes sense, but that is the way the game operates. Like, the Flames are going to get more confidence because this big guy on the Oilers is just getting knocked around and he's not doing anything about it and he's not going to do anything about it. And um, it's better than Cassian going out there the next shift and trying to take out Giordano's knee or something, right? Like, like stand up for the guy who seems to want to try to go after you rather than just taking it out on the other stars of the game, right? Which which I think is the right way to go about it because, you know, it's the same sort of thing, like, not that I think he was, but if Giordano was trying to injure McDavid on that knee on knee, like, that would have been, you know, more so like just this guy kind of going out and trying to take out whoever he can. Not that that's what happened, but you know what I mean? Just a similar thing to that. Sure, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just I, I don't think you win hockey games from the penalty box at the end of the day. So, uh, clearly, to me, Zach Cassian told me that, you know, him getting his revenge on someone else is more important than winning hockey games, and that's how I, I'm looking at it. Okay. Um, so then we, we get the rematch a, a few weeks later um, where – Matt Kachuk does go out there and, and wants to fight Zach Cassian and uh, Zach says no and uh, the game goes on for a little longer and until finally we get a, a Sean Monahan Ryan Nugent Hopkins fight which I don't know if anyone saw coming no uh, that was a weird one no wouldn't uh, have taken 
wouldn't have taken that one in the pool. But like, <laughs> like that's, you know, all, that's the battle of Alberta. But, but here's the thing: like, I would have been honestly more shocked if it was like fucking Austin Zarnick versus Gaten Hass or something. You know what I mean? Because it's just like. What the f- like? Are these guys even in the mo- in this movie? Like, it's like yeah. if two extras are fighting <laughs> for like three minutes on screen, and it's like, why am I watching this scene? Yeah, where's Leonardo DiCaprio? And you know, we got the two, the go- we got two of the main actors in the in the movie Supporting going at it here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, this week's top ten. No, I'm- <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's. So they. Fight. It was weird, but it kind of yeah. also makes sense. They they fight, and immediately the next shift. Zach Cassian finally says, "Okay, yeah, we'll we'll go now, and I'll I'll allow Matt Kachuk to fight me, which I thought was equally as ridiculous." But um, so they, they finally get that scrap out of the way. Uh, Cassian once again handles Kachuk uh, with uh, somewhat rag ragdolledness. Uh, uh, anyway, um, wipe your hands. That's that's said. That's that's over with. We move on. Get a, an entertaining rest of the game. We go to a, overtime, a three-on-three three that was fantastic, um, and then we go to a shootout where uh, Dave Riddick makes a big save against Leon Draisaitl and uh, pulls the uh, the old Jose Bautista and tosses mm. the stick in the air. So I guess we'll we'll, we'll we'll start from there. Did you have a problem with the stick throw? No, no, no. But um, I do. Like, again, like, it's okay if Riddick's upset that the other team was upset, but if he doesn't understand why, then then that's ridiculous. Like, you, you, you gotta know that the other team's not gonna like that. You, but you don't have to do things because the other team is or isn't gonna like it. You just, yeah. you need to understand, though, why they're mad. But, like, you know you, you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't like the whole, why would they be mad? <laughs> like, what? Whatever did I do? Like, literally, I won the game for us by an aggressive poke check and then almost, like, threw my stick at the guy. Like, basically could have just done that and be like, why you have to be mad is only game. And it's like, no. That's blatant fucking showboating. You're kicking them while they're down. Of course they're going to be upset. But if they wanted to, you know what I mean? Like, if they want to do something about it, then win the fucking game. Exactly, yeah. You know? And then what did they do the next night? They came out and fucking smoked you. Yeah. The next time, yeah. right? Like, they were pissed off. Understandably so. I have no issue with the thing. It's just he needs to understand, like, it, people aren't going to like it. And, and you know, he goes under that whole rant about, like, well, how come there's no fun in the game? And it's like, no, there is fun. You're allowed to do that. If there was no fun, you would have got suspended for throwing your stick in the air for showboating. The league don't care if you're doing that. They think it's great. The other team, why would they be happy? Like, what are you, nuts? No. Uh, yeah, didn't really make a... <laughs> like, we lost. Oh, but look how cool the goalie celebration was. You know, like, they yeah. fucking, fucking hate you. The... So, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I didn't have a problem with the, the stick toss. It was an emotional moment. Um, yeah. Who knows what Leon Drysaddle would have done had he scored, kind of thing, right? Like we could be talking about this the other way around, yeah, maybe if, if the puck goes in. So, um, we go back to the to the fight. Um, Zach Cassie and Matt Kachuk, uh, they finally dropped the mittens. Uh, was that was that mm. it? Is, it? is it over now? Were you fine with that? Do you think that's that's good enough in in Zach Cassian's mind? Here's the thing, and it goes back to what you said, though. Is I do be- I do believe you about eighty percent when you say that Matt Kachuk doesn't care who you are. 
He's not, you know, out there targeting certain guys. He's going to go out there and just play the game he's going to play it. Like, I, I agree with you mostly. I think he's got a radar for these other guys, though, that are going to, like, you know what I mean? Like, he's more likely to throw a hit on Zach Cassian than he would be Gaten Haas, because he knows it's going to fucking bother Cassian. So, you know what I mean? Like, I believe that he's kind of got it out for these guys, but he's also going to play the game the way he wants to play it. So that said, Cassian might get hit again. And this might happen again. And it's going to be World War fucking 3 when it happens. Because it's going to be way worse if it... You know what I mean? Because they think it's been put to bed. And Kachuk, like, literally has been sitting here this whole time being like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I just play I just play the game. Yeah. I don't know. You know what I mean? This guy doesn't give a fuck about any of this. So if he hits him again, Cassian's going to be like, Oh, I thought we settled this. And he's going to fucking lose it. And, yeah. And you know. That goes back to the whole thing about Zach Cassian picking his battles. But, yeah. um... I, I don't know. I'm like, not as anti-Cassian as you, but I'm just, sure. I'm admitting he's going to fucking lose it. Yeah. If Kachuk does it again and, now, you know, whatever. Like, that uh, is what I, it is. I, I realized that, that Calgary was the road team, so they, they didn't get the matchups they wanted. But, so so Zach Cassian goes out and he drops the middies with uh, with Maddie. And, uh, middies with Maddie. And and we are, we are robbed. We are absolutely robbed of Zach versus Zach. Uh, Zach Ronaldo the other Zach? dressed oh. for that game. Yeah, yapping on the bench. Zach Cassian wants to talk the big talk and he wants to throw the big punches, but he doesn't want to do it against the big dogs. And that that was to me the most glaring like observation of this. This guy's full of shit. Mm-hmm. Like you want to get pissed off, you want to say these nasty things, you want to you know absolutely embarrass a kid that doesn't fight. Like I'm, I, I know Makachuk will drop the the gloves, but. This, this kid didn't he didn't grow up in the age where you had to kind of learn how to fight in junior and and college and all this shit he made his way he's a pesty pesky guy sometimes you gotta you know deal with that as a player but Zach Cassian turns around and now he's Matt Kachuk. I'm not gonna fight you why would I want to fight you well because you just kicked the shit out of our star player and 20 years ago under the code that Zach Cassian likes to live in you beat the shit out of the star player. Well, guess what? The fourth line goon's coming out, and you're getting your bell rung. So, I Zach Cassie wants to live in this world where you know he he gets his cake and he eats it too, and it's for for whatever reason he's special, and there's there's no two way street here for for Zach Cassian, and I, it absolutely baffles me to, to like to to go in and have that mentality and that attitude now, and then not back it up. I was with you that night. Um... And we watched the game together, so you know that I watched the game. But I was not paying as close attention to it as maybe you were. I I don't remember them being on the ice together. Well, that's like the thing. I don't. Yeah. So when's he gonna fight him though? Like, what's he supposed to do? Like, hop over the Flames bench and beat the shit over out of Ronaldo then and there? I I, I don't know. I'm I'm not an NHL like that's, player. That's, but, I, but, I don't know all. But the I'm saying the notes. argument is like on the other hand, like I'm I'm looking at it as a. Like that's Jeff Ward. That's not. That's not Ronaldo. It's not Cassian. That's just if if he doesn't want to play Ronaldo. Oh then... no, Ronaldo got out there. Yeah, but not with Cassian. Well, I I don't, I don't know to what extent is it. Like maybe they did, it, maybe they did. Is it I don't Ronaldo dropping jumping on the ice and Cassian's jumping Re- off? Regardless, like everyone made a big deal about that, and I don't. Um, I'm I consider myself exempt from this conversation because I don't really consider Zach Ronaldo a heavyweight. So. <laughs> Regardless, he's not a heavyweight, but he was in the lineup for one reason, and and we all know what that reason That's was. Fine. He wasn't in the lineup to score goals that night. Let's, let's put it that way. It's the same way as saying though that well, 
I mean, he's not as tough, but you could take your pick of a lot of minor league guys, and they were in the lineup for to fight, and it's like, well, good for you. Right. Good luck getting on the ice. Like, sure, I don't know. sure. Uh, just, you, like, Ronaldo's, like, he is... The... I think he was there in case shit hit the fan, and shit did not hit the fan that night, so... Well, there was there was two fights that night, and it didn't involve Zach Ronaldo. But, not like, no one got, you know... Nobody tried to stab anyone with their skate or anything like that. Like it was like it was a fairly tame game. I thought, I, I suppose. I suppose. I, I don't know. Like of of all the games in the last month, that was the least, like the least emotional. Really, like Monahan versus Nuge, and McDavid getting mad about Giordano, and that was about it. Sure. Yeah. No. I, regardless, I because there was no even emotion to the Cassian Kachuk thing. Really. Well, there wasn't. There wasn't. Like there was. This, there was build up from the outside, but I don't think either party really got worked up that night. Probably, well, probably not to the extent everyone wanted it to, but yeah. I don't know. You, you can't tell me that they went into that and there was no animosity or emotion that that was yeah. built up from that fight, especially going forward in the game because that was relatively early in the game. So you're not, you can't tell me that the two of them sat down and, and shook hands and yeah. Played the I rest mean, of the at, game. at the end of the day, it's all caveman stuff, right? Like we're all just sitting here talking about the like we're still sitting here talking about the code and what's right and wrong. And at the end of the day, like I like I I I just don't really care. Like I, again, no, and, and I don't either. Like we're sitting here talking about two teams that I think under any other circumstance, neither of these teams are what I think of when I think of a playoff team. Like these sure. teams have absolutely gaping holes, and they should be working on fixing those problems. You know, neither team has a has a really consistent goaltender. Riddick's been real good, but he's had his moments. But, you know, like, whatever. Any other goalie does. The Flames have no idea how to score goals. They have all these guys that they're paying that, ha- like, barely look like second-line forwards out there right now. And, you know, they're chalking it up to being a good defensive team. Well, it's like, yeah, you have to breathe the life out of the game because the 59 minutes of the 60, you're not generating any offensive chances, anything like that. You got another team on the other side here that has three good NHL players, and the rest of the guys debatably wouldn't make most other lineups. So, like, to me, we're talking about two teams that are worried about the wrong things. So these players are beaten up, beaten up over each other. And meanwhile, you know, are you going to practice the next day and working on figuring out how to fucking score goals? Calgary, Edmonton are like the other 17 of you working to figure out that this guy is literally carrying you. Like, these two guys are literally carrying this fucking team on their back right now. Figure this other stuff out. Don't worry about Zach Ronaldo. He's going to be in the American Hockey League tomorrow, guys. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no, don't sure. fucking yell at for this sure. guy. Like, who gives a shit? Figure your stuff out here. Yeah. That's the thing. We're talking about all these fights, all this stuff. It's fun to watch, but it's like, these are two teams that I still genuinely believe, like, could miss the playoffs. And that is, like, this is the worst year to miss the playoffs if you're these two teams. Because making the playoffs should be easy in the West. If you're these the teams. Pacific especially, yeah. Yeah. Um... Sorry, just to get into it, like we got teams here that are out of the playoffs that probably should be in them, but right now they suck. You sure. know, San Jose is looks to be long done. Mm. You know, uh, Nashville still trying to get it together. They've been a little bit better lately, but they're still outside looking in. Chicago's playing well, but it's Chicago, so it's like, you know, you shouldn't be worried about making the playoffs right now. And yet, these neither of these teams look like like neither of these teams are instilling any confidence in me. Is all I'm saying, and they right. should really. Stop worrying about the code. Start worrying about no, and, and that goes exactly. Oilers have been seven two that, and one that, over the last. That goes 10, exactly but. back to what I was talking about about that first game, and in, in which Zach Cassian decides that I got to fight this guy. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you don't. You gotta you gotta win the game because, like I said, Connor McDavid goes down next week. 
that's your season. Yeah. So. And that's uh, my point. The Oilers are worried about occupying time in which McDavid isn't out there, and and they're occupying the time by doing things other than, you know, winning the game, playing the game. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like like we're talking about the Edmonton Oilers right now. There's five teams, five players on the roster that have positive possession numbers and. Uh, only, oh, sorry, six of them, and only four of them have played over 20 games this year. Yeah. And uh, the mint part about that is none of them are Connor McDavid. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, this isn't a really, I'm not too thrilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so finally we, we go from the uh, the stick toss by Riddick to the next game that sees him uh, pulled by the uh, end of the second, allowing six goals. Uh, Oilers just giving it to him on his way by. Uh, lo and behold, he's got to go back in because Mike Smith and Cam Talbot decide they're going to drop them the blockies, the blockies uh, at uh, center ice, and uh, they get themselves ejected. So uh, in come the backups. Not a not a great night for uh, Mister Stick Toss there, David Riddick. Um, mm. I, I I'm not going to lie to you. I, I I thought we'd seen our final goalie fight ever. Yeah. Oh, they'll find a way to happen. Yeah, I think they'll I've find just, a way. You, you see them get close enough, and then. They get all the way down the ice, and then they don't fight, or they hold each other, or the ref catches the one guy by center ice and stops him. There are no rivalries right now in which I think the possibility of this happening is as great as it is in the Battle of Alberta right now, and it's because you see less Cassians, less Kachucks around the league, right? Is there a lot of teams that don't have any players like that? Um, You know, like if I told you that Frederick Anderson's going to get into a fight this year. You know, how is that going to... Like, under what circumstances is that happening? Other than if he gets run and then, like, stands up the other night and decides he wants to fight Frankie Vitrano, which I'd like to admi- I'd like to hope that there's an alternate timeline in which that happened, because fuck Frankie Vitrano. Wasn't there Vitrano, a game where Freddie came down the ice, though? And, like, maybe. I don't, was, I don't... Couldn't see it, it possibly, little, oh, but I, maybe. I think there was, but sure. anyway. Um, yeah, I, I thought we were kind of uh, done with these, but... Yeah. Whatever. I'll take it. I guess. It's kind of cool. I didn't like that they got tossed. Okay. I didn't, like, I didn't... See, and here's the thing, like, going back to the old, old days when this would happen, like, every three months, I never understood how the goalies were able to just, like, pick their shit back up, and it's like, alright, go back to the net. Didn't that guy just get in a fight? Like, shouldn't he be gone? Like, how's he able to just keep playing? You're telling me all these players have to sit in the box for five minutes? This goalie's allowed to beat the living shit out of another guy? And it's like, all right, face off to your right, Mr. Osgood. What? What are you talking about? It's rare enough. It doesn't make any sense. It's it's rare enough an event where I I could see the goalie fight, and maybe this is how I would approach it, uh, being the one penalty where you got to go serve it in the box. That'd be fucking mint. So the backup has to go. Imagine in. trying getting a goalie through that little door. <laughs> so the backup has to go in, especially back in the but like in, the in five 2000s. minutes they get back out and the coach can decide. Hey, well, we're going to put you back in mm-hmm. because a guy like Riddick, you know, he gets pulled, he comes off. Now he's got to go back out there again. Like, come on, that's that's not great. Pulls a Mike Babcock and doesn't put a player in the box or the goalie and then or no, instead puts the goalie and not a player and the goalie has to skate out and play. <laughs> and you got just Roberto Luongo skating out there trying to play left wing. <laughs> I'm in. It's a good point. Do you have the big stick still? Well, yeah, he's not going to bring like <laughs> Derek McKenzie's stick to the box. I don't know why Florida's the team. I don't know, two retired players are playing in this game, but yeah. 
It'd be, um, a, it could be a good a good alumni game. I don't know if the Panthers have an alumni game. I can't imagine. I hope not. most of their alumni are probably not living in Florida. Whenever the Leafs alumni team goes down there, they just take all those guys and put an alumni game together. Here's Jared Roberts and Joe Newendike and Ed Belf. Oh boy, it'd be great if like they like you know the joke that like Florida is the good retirement team, but like. I know Florida's like... They don't the, have the alumni team. Florida's like the literal like retirement community, but like if I'm 40 and I just retired from being a hockey player, I'm not living in Florida. No. Like if you're living in Florida, you either got to be 20 or 80. There's no in between. You know? You move to Arizona. Like grow yeah. up. Go golfing. True. Um, anything else Oilers Flames related that you no. want to... Oh, no, I've been over this one for a while. Fair. Yeah. Um... Some breaking news late last night. The Leafs mm. made a trade. Yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs after losing to the New York Rangers 5-3. Yeah, Nick, Nick Baptiste to the Flames. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, Zach Ronaldo coming over. Uh, um, uh. Uh, the Leafs have acquired Kyle Clifford and Jack Campbell. Clifford retained at 50% uh, in exchange for Trevor Moore, a third-round pick uh, this upcoming draft, and a conditional third-round pick that could be a second for 2021. Um, I know, surprisingly, I've seen a little bit of a split on this trade. I think for the most part, a lot of Leaf fans are pretty happy with this. It it, uh, it addresses a few moves, a few needs. Um, While while at the same time, I've seen a little bit of pushback that, you know, the price for a, a backup goalie is, you know, this, this is the highest price you've seen for a backup goalie, so to speak. And, in the is last, it? Yeah, uh, they went back. They showed the, the goalie moves over the past year. And the majority of them are fifth round Well, picks. in the last year. But, like, how many goalie, like, backup goalie, legitimate backup goalies have been moved in that time? There's what, six. Like who? Uh, James Reimer. Um, yeah, but salary. Sure. No, I'm not saying there's not exceptions. It's just this was the nah, I don't, highest I don't, price yeah, that I don't. was showing around. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Well, it's a fact. Like, you can't really... <laughs> yeah, okay, but you're giving me a goalie where they had to move the salary. And literally, like, I don't even consider Reimer a backup goalie when he gets traded. He's a third goalie at the time. He's not even a backup. He was horrible last year. I, I guess. So if he's a fifth round... Like, fifth round... Like, what what, like, what are other names, though? I'm just curious. I'd have to pull Because Cam- but... Campbell's a legitimate backup. Is Whereas he, we're not, yeah, we're not yeah. talking about, well, he was one of the... Yeah. I mean, com- I think compared to the list of guys that's gone, Jack Campbell's right in that mix. Yeah. You know, games played-wise, statistically-wise, like, he's, he's right Sure, I mean, guys, like, he hasn't but... been great this year. I'm pretty sure the guy got a Vesna vote last year. Like, he was pretty good last year. So, I, I don't know. Like, I I, I think, I, I watch him, and I think he can move really well in the net. I like what he does in, in the net. He doesn't look shaky at all. He looks very sound positionally. I like him. Um... But yeah, I mean, if it's high, it's high. But at the end of the day, you're talking two draft picks and found money in Trevor Moore for you know a, a good bottom six forward and and hopefully a good backup goalie, but likely better than what you've got anyway. At yeah. the end of the day, so right, no, for know. sure. Like, like uh, I, I don't think at any point in the last two years, if you ask me who's better, Michael Hutchinson or Jack Campbell, I'm saying Michael Hutchinson. Right, and that, so. that was another guy on the list too. It was Mike Hutchinson, who you know the Leafs got for a six-round pick and a mm-hmm. you know middling prospect. But but again, right, like thought he was a backup, and clearly he isn't. Like clearly he's not. I think there's a bigger debate on that, but uh, you know he's regardless. The the Leafs felt he wasn't, and they they went out and addressed the need. I uh, I gotta tell you, I've been down the let's get the LA Kings backup goalie uh, route before, mm-hmm. and uh, didn't love it. 
No. And I've also seen Kyle Dubas go down the let's get Jack Campbell as our goaltender route, and it hasn't worked out before. So I'm really hoping that uh, this time is uh, going to work out. And uh, I like Kyle Clifford. Like I, I don't know. Like I don't think he brings a ton to this team. He's going to play. He, he'll he'll be a, a good addition to the fourth line, and uh, he'll add a little bit of sandpaper. And if they get to the playoffs, they're going to need him for sure. If they don't, it's you know maybe someone else could have been playing in in that spot down the stretch. And um, but th- that's mm-hmm. the gamble you take, right? So I don't know if they have twelve forwards better than Kyle Clifford. Like I, with like, Trevor Moore, maybe. But I I, th- I think Kyle Clifford's a significant upgrade on Trevor Moore, but. Um, I do like Trevor Moore. I think I think there's a lot of upside to his game. Yeah. Um, and a guy that, you know but, what, and I think one of the biggest things that people liked about Trevor Moore was the contract. And yeah. at the end of the day, Kyle Clifford, you, you know, he's he's walking in July. And you had Trevor Moore signed for another, I think, two years. I don't think Kyle Lee. Clifford's going to walk. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Well, the Leafs aren't going to be able to afford to keep him around unless he's taking league minimum. I don't know if he's going to take league minimum. He might take a million. Yeah, I don't know if we can afford that. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I, I like one thing I, I will say is I, I think Kyle Clifford is a guy that really doesn't get um, a lot of credit for what he can do, and and again, it's because he gets buried out in L.A. But you know, I, I do look at this as a similar situation. Muzzin coming over last year, and everyone's like, yeah, he's a good like you know maybe he's a good fourth, uh, fourth third fourth defenseman. It's like no, he's one of the 25 best defenseman in the league and Kyle Clifford is a guy who can kill penalties who's a really good defensive forward and um you know because he came into the league as a goon and then the Kings won a bunch of cups and then no one's heard from the Kings in six years everyone seems to think that Kyle Clifford's still a goon where he's less physical and everyone bitches because he's not as physical as he used to be that's because they can't afford to take him off the ice anymore because he's really good defensively. Yeah. He's a good player. So, I don't know. I, I think he's, a like, for sure plays pretty much every night. Like, it, it might scratch him if they want to get more speed in. It's one mm-hmm. thing that isn't Kyle Clifford's strength is speed. Um, but he's a good possession player when he gets the puck. He's not overly creative. But um, he's not a player where I think the play dies on his stick very often either. Like, the guy can shoot. Um, he can you can make things happen with him. So I don't I don't know. I'm I'm not really as down on that as as everyone else seems to be. I, I think there's a lot that Kyle Clifford can offer, and a lot of it is experience. You know, he was really really young when um, the Kings won their cups. You know, very inexperienced. He I barely even played the one cup run. So yeah, I, I think like I, I don't remember. I think he only played like maybe a game in the playoffs the first time they won the cup. But um, he was there the whole second time in 2014. Played well, fit in really well on their bottom uh, their bottom six, and I, I think it's a good acquisition. I like it. I, I I think it's I think it's low risk. Like that's the thing. Everyone's getting excited, and you give up two third round picks, maybe a second for it, and you know you only give up the second if the trade works out for you. Really, like it, and, and you can control it too. That's the thing. That's the thing. So. so I don't know. Like uh, the only reason that these is, is these are significant assets is because. We assume, we don't know, we assume that they've done a good job drafting in their later drafts in the last couple of drafts. Seems like they have. We don't know that yet. Yeah. So, I, I don't... It's a, it, these are significant picks to us because we have faith in Dubas. But a lot of these other teams, like, this, this is a move you got to make. 
You got to make these moves. This is the way it is. I, I don't. I don't have a problem with these assets at all. Like I, I think no, people are getting way miss too, any way of these too pieces worked up at all. about like these picks. I miss that, I miss like, Carl Brunstrom time, more than anyone. By the time anyone. this twenty twenty one second round pick is in the NHL, Austin Matthews five year deal is probably done. We so, got a lot of other like, problems by then. Yeah, what's what are we talking about here? I uh, the one thing I I will say that I am a, a, a little interested to see when it comes to Kyle Clifford because I'm, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I, I'm not I'm not meaning to shit on the guy. I just I, I see people talking like oh, he's this top six power forward and I'm like okay well no but he's fine he's he's gonna I'm not gonna lie to you he might have that skill set I don't know that he's ever really been given yeah. a legitimate opportunity um but I I wouldn't necessarily like he, he say put up so. a career high in points last year and like yeah. I, I don't think that he's a, a total you know lost cause but what I will say is it is gonna be interesting to see him uh and and how his game evolves. Uh, when he takes this inevitable uh, cut in ice time, because uh, you know he he was a second third for line right guy now, for, yeah, for exactly. You're, so you're right. He's going to have to really prove something to Sheldon Keefe to to get him, it, barring injury, of course, to someone above him in the lineup. Uh, he's going to have to do something to, that says to Sheldon Keefe, "I got to get this guy some more minutes." Because we we both know Sheldon Keefe likes to run the dogs. I mean, it's like like at the end of the day, though, it's not gonna like I don't know if it's gonna be like a significant cut nice time. It'll be significant to what he's been playing as of late. But the first half of the year, he didn't play very much either. It's a guy who's used to playing ten or eleven minutes a night, mm-hmm. and, and and he can deal with that. And um, he is a guy like though it, like if you get really crunched because of injuries, like he can survive with Tavares. Sure, um, I believe Matthews it. maybe a little quick for him. Yeah. But, you know, Tavares is very similar player to Kopitar, and Clifford's played with Kopitar um, often, a few times. <laughs> I would say. Yeah, often over the past uh, eight years. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, I think one thing that I do like about this that I think is a little underrated, not reading a ton into it, um, but I do think that if Clifford can stay cheap, that it might knock a couple bucks off a of Muzzin to stick around. Not a lot. But I think this is something that maybe helps a little bit there too. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Again, it's tough to say. Like I, I'm, I, I'm one of those like I don't love talking about the future in terms of next season. Like this is this is no, not much. I don't, I don't. I just, I just like that's what I, I mean. At, it's like a layered. I, yeah, detail I just, to I just it. look at that that upcoming summer that we have, and we got one defenseman signed, and I don't know if there's gonna be room to to keep a guy like Kyle Clifford around if we got to find. Yeah. You know, four or five defensemen to play for us. I don't know if us. the one defenseman's the one defenseman I want to keep either. <laughs> yeah, well, in any case. Uh, so, real quick here, I'm going to wrap up on this trade. But uh, what uh, Jack Campbell, he's going to come in. It looks like he's going to play uh, tonight against... Uh, who the hell are they playing tonight? I, I, Anaheim. Anaheim, that's it. Yeah, it looks like he's going to come and play tonight against Anaheim. Freddie was at practice yesterday. All signs seem to indicate this isn't going to be a long-term thing for Freddie. So, when Freddie's back, do you see uh, Campbell being a guy that can take some of the workload off Freddie yeah. going down? Or is this just good, we're going to go back to how it was and Freddie's going to be the, the workhorse and no, it doesn't I, matter who the backup is? The thing with Hutch is, like, I, I always liked Hutch. I saw potential with Hutch. But, I, like, I, I don't think at any point last year was I looking and saying, like, you know, he's as good as McElhaney. I just thought... He had potential to turn into a similar type of goalie as McElhaney. Should still say that he does. Like, Hutch is an old, um, compared to McElhaney anyway. Like, you know, like that that might still turn out there. There might still be something to say about Hutch. 
Um, but I, I do genuinely look at Jack as at Jack Campbell as a as a goaltender that I have confidence in starting. Maybe not all the time, but I think he's someone that can take minutes away from from Frederick Anderson, and I think that's the first goalie that the Leafs have had since McElhaney, uh, where I feel confident in saying that. And even McElhaney's like McElhaney was even one like he was good every night, but everyone always kind of doubted him because it was like he had been around for so long and had only been so good that it was hard to believe that he is this good now, you know? That was the thing. It's like everyone just got used to, I have no other way to phrase this, used to him being bad, that it was like, nah, he can't be this good. Well, he's been this good for a few years, but... I, I'm not going to lie to you, that's that's not why I doubted uh, Mac. Mm. Uh, the reason I doubted Mac was because uh, I consider Frederick Anderson to be some sort of uh, savant, and okay. the Leafs to be really, really bad in their own end, okay. and I just assumed that any other goalie would get over... It could be Carey Price, I'd get nervous, you know? That's that was kind of my mentality when it came to Mac, but yeah, okay. I, I don't know. Like, I I have a hard time believing that the the Leafs in their current situation are going to do anything other than run Anderson down the stretch. I hope Campbell is a guy that can come in and, and give the coaching staff enough confidence to say that yeah, we can more so than should we or or will we, and uh, and we'll we'll see how that plays out because yeah, you're. One of the factors in in the condition is six wins for Campbell, and and that that third becomes a second. So, I will say that, you know, I don't watch nearly as much as I do, but when I do watch teams out west, like the Kings are still a go to team, and I still I like what I see at a Campbell. I, I think he's a I think he's a good goalie. He's had some he's had some signs. Like mm-hmm. I'll give him that much. Like uh, there's been some some games that he's played that it it it, it goes to show that why he was touted as highly as he was mm-hmm. um but then there there's just there's not a lot of a workload like there's not a lot of this isn't a guy that's played even a, a full nhl season in terms of his, his career numbers not really no so there's it's, it's it is kind of hard to say I, I think his career is still a little too young to make a definitive you know uh, assumption one way or the other all i'm all i'm gonna say i'll, I'll leave it at this is he's on my team now and you know to hell with it go out and get it and and Hopefully this works out because I'm uh, getting tired of treading water. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. No, I, I I have faith in in Jack Campbell. I think this is a good trade. All right. Okay. Uh, I guess that brings us to what what, what should be our final top movie uh, top movie to, our movie top ten. Yeah, until like three weeks from now. This is the final Oscar top there, ten. That's you better. shouldn't say the final movie top ten. Yeah, we still got. We've been. It's Talking been for a while. Here. It's been like 14 months since we uh, dis, uh, teased that we were going to do our top Denzel movies, and we still have not done it. Uh, but we're not doing it this week, so yeah, that's good. Uh, that we're doing the, our top 10 favorite movies to have been nominated for Best Picture. So last week we did uh, the top 10 move. Our top 10 favorite movies to not be nominated for any type of Oscar. We are doing our top 10 favorite movies that have to have been nominated for Best Picture. So if it was only nominated for an acting award, not Best Picture, doesn't count. We need a Best Picture nom. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Um, I guess I'll go first. Sure. Yeah. Give honorable mentions? Because you had a hard time cutting I, I list do. down. Do you um, still have them there? Or yeah, forget no, about I, I do. Um, real quick. Uh, Show some love. Nineteen. Uh, no, In no particular order, uh, 1981... Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, I thought you were going to say 1917. I'm like, that's real <laughs> aggressive. Um, that was nominated for Best Picture, right? Yeah. Cool. Uh, 1993 Schindler's List. 
1994 Shawshank Redemption, mm. and 2012's Django Unchained. My, my honorable mentions. Ooh, okay, cool. Uh, I have two honorable mentions. Uh, 2007's There Will Be Blood and 1991's Silence of the Lambs. Ooh. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, uh, let's get to it. My number ten is uh, Saving Private Ryan, mm. nineteen ninety-eight. Oh, you like this movie? Eh? Uh, lost. You've never talked about it on lost the podcast. Lost to Shakespeare in Love. Did you know that? Did I, did I have you have you heard about this? Shakespeare in Love was on TV the other night, and I was very tempted to watch it, but I didn't. I had no idea that Ben Affleck was in that movie. He is. That is. It's not horrible. Good. It's just it's not as good as some of the other ones that were nominated that year. Mm. It's okay. Yeah, it's fine, I guess. Yeah. Uh, my number ten is A Few Good Men. Tom Cruise, Demi Moore, Jack Nicholson, Kiefer Sutherland. Great film. Yeah. One of the best acted movies I've ever seen. Love the script. Think it's great. Love it. Mm. I could watch it over and over and over again. I guess like every other movie on this list. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on the list. Oh, good for you, man. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Well, uh, recency bias for my number nine. 1917. 1917. That's fucked. Uh, 2019's 1917. I didn't think you liked it that much. You didn't seem that I, fired up about it. I, I really did. You thought about it more over time? And... It, I don't know. It just it just got me. It just hit me somewhere. I gotta tell you, it was one of my... Uh, like, I haven't had that much fun watching a movie in theaters in a while. Other than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I guess. But, like, you know, like... It was really fun. What you gonna do? I had a lot of good, I had a, I had a lot of good time, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, my number nine is The Descendants from 2011. Uh, George Clooney, Shailene Woodley, Amy Ryan. Uh, You've talked about this before, and I, mm-hmm. I still haven't seen it. Is Amy Ryan in that? Maybe she's not. Um, no, Julie Greer, that's who I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, no, I know you haven't watched it. You you really you really should get around to this, because like, it sounds depressing if I were to tell you what the plot's about, but it is the same guy who did Nebraska. So you got to remember, like, it's kind of like a depressing plot line, but it's got like this, it's got like an upbeat sort of tone and there's like Hawaiian music playing in the Ooh. background the whole time. It's like very upbeat, even though Don't uh, the, worry. the plot is very sad. Be happy. Do you know what it's about? You've told me before. Mm-hmm. Yes, on this very podcast. Okay. It's not happy, but it, it is, is happy. It doesn't sound very happy. Mm-hmm. Um, number eight for me, uh, The King's Speech from Ooh. 2010. It was a late cut for me. Oh, really? I mm-hmm. assumed it would be on there. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great movie, uh, and it is, I would consider it among my favorites. I just, I like all these other movies better. Fair enough. Colin well, fun Firth, fact, I did not know that uh, the King of England had a, uh, a speech impediment until I went to see this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no idea. Mm-hmm. I had no clue. Bertie. Yes, as it were. <laughs> Good old Bertie. My friends call me Bertie. All right, Bertie, don't call me Bertie. Um, my number eight is Fargo, 1996. Uh, Francis McDormand, Peter Stormare, Steve Buscemi, William H. Macy. It's quite the lineup. Mm. Mm. Big, big fan. Uh, probably should be higher. I don't, I don't know. I put it kind of low. Okay. But, but you, you have control over that. Yeah. Well, moving forward. If only there so was a way yeah, I could have. If only, if only just, there was a way I could control the list. I just don't want to see you get disappointed again. So in the mm. future... You, you know you can move those I can't around. wait till I get to like number four and I'm just like, ah, I don't like this movie very much. Don't know why it's even in the top yeah, ten. Yeah. Didn't I, think this one through. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, number seven for myself, 2011's Moneyball. Mm. Uh, lost to the artist that year for Best Picture. Mm. So. Horrible film. Yeah, I never saw it. The artist, not yeah. Moneyball. Moneyball's great. Oh, money, fantastic. Yeah. Great time. Philip Seymour Hoffman down there, Art Howe, getting pissed off, benching kids slandering his boss and then you got Jonah Hill being fat 
I'm not going to fire you, Woody. Now I'll fire you. Fuck you, Billy. Uh, my number seven is Inception. Leo DiCaprio. Yes, sir. I remember seeing him when I was going through. Yes, sir. Okay. Leo DiCaps. We got Joey Gordon-Levitt. Uh, what the what the hell's her name again? Ellen Page. I'm not a big fan, but she's fine. Marion Cotillard is in that. Ah, though, yeah, she and is. She, who, God, she's do French. I love her. She's unreal. Mm. Big fan. You like Marion Cotillard? I think so. I uh, Speaking of coronavirus, I watched Contagion yesterday, uh, which I've seen before but hadn't seen in a long time. Yeah. That's a disturbing movie to watch when there's like this uh, big pandemic, virus. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, don't don't feel like going anywhere. Watched a lot. Washed my hands a lot today. Didn't even leave the house. Huh. So, yeah. Wow, that's kind of wild, actually. Yeah. Contagion not nominated for best picture. <laughs> I hope not. It, it, I don't know. Like, I thought it was. I always every time I watch it, I'm like, this is a really underrated film. It's really good. The way he does it, it's like it makes it so much scarier than it needs to be. It's like 28 weeks later, just with less blood. I didn't love it myself. No way. Eh? It was fine, I Steven guess. Steven Soderbergh? Yeah. Brian Cranston's in Cousin of Carl Soderbergh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. All comes full circle. Uh, number six for me, 1994's Pulp Fiction. Hmm. Losing to Forrest Gump that oh, year. No. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, uh, Forrest Gump does not make my list. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Spoiler alert, doesn't make mine. Not shocked. Uh, okay. Anything else about Pulp Fiction? What's there to say? Yeah. I think we talk about Pulp Fiction like once every two episodes. Do we? It's a lot. Okay. It comes up in, in well, different regards. Spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about it again in a few minutes. Yeah, the path uh, of the righteous man here. My number six is 2011's Moneyball. Nice. Uh, yeah. 50 feet of shit. Kind of figured you like Moneyball more than I do, but uh, apparently not. I, uh, yeah, big Moneyball guy. Mm. I thought, honestly, I, I'm not going to lie. I could have thought Moneyball was going to be like number two for you. Oh, wow. I know how much you like Moneyball. Apparently, I don't actually, but hmm. yeah. I, I I think my my top three are very predictable. I I assumed you would know those three right off the bat. We'll see. But I kind of figured Saving Private Ryan would be up there too. Oh, so really? you're you're throwing me off quite Ooh. a quite a bit so far. Just throwing you off the scent, as it were. Yeah, actually, I know one of them. I I did just think of one of them. Off the scent, and you know who's uh, who's good at tracking scents? Mm. Mm. Wolves uh, and number five's The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, wow, I thought you were talking about the movie Wolves, starring... <laughs> Liam Neeson. So, no, that's the Grey. No, so, that's yeah. the Grey. No, I'm thinking, uh, I think D- Diane Keist is in that. Jesus, um, don't want to watch that. The Wolf of Wall Street's Wolf number of five? Wall Street, number five, baby. Okay. Lost nice. to 12 Years a Slave that year. Good movie. Another Leonardo DiCaprio appearance for your boys, you know? Mm-hmm. A little more, uh, little more Jonah Hill for your boys, you know? Uh, that's... Uh, Back to back, Jonah Hill right there. It's, it's a little too much actually. I should probably take that out. Okay, yeah, it's good. It's a great yeah. film. It's fantastic. My number five is Inglorious Bastards. Mm. Quentin Tarantino, mm. Brad Pitt, mm. B.J. Novak. Don't really know why he was my second actor yeah, credit for that yeah. film, but Christoph Waltz, the little man. Yeah, <laughs> the little man. The Germans' nickname for me is the little man. Uh, my, number, movie. my number four English is Stiglitz. Inglorious Bastards from 2009. Oh, cool. We could just talk about it yeah. then. Um, I, I did not know about Michael Fassbender until that movie and was not aware that he's a he was a guy before that. I thought Quentin Tarantino discovered him as well. I Apparently, think Fassbender was in Band of Brothers, actually. He's Yeah, he's yeah. a guy, man. Yeah. He's been in a lot of things. Yeah. So. I remember seeing him in that movie and, and, and being like, okay, I know you, 
it wasn't like I was starstruck, but it was like, okay, I kind of, I kind of know this guy. <laughs> you know, when you go to the movies, James, they're not actually there, right? No, but you go with this, these like you see the trailers and you're going, I wow. know Leo's coming up. Leo DiCaprio, <laughs> you paid to see him. It's not that in cool. the flesh. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. It's it's lost it's, to the Hurt Locker that year. That's fair. Tough pill. Uh, is tough. it? That's a tough pill to swallow. Real, I mean, like, really good movie. Uh, don't think it really stood a chance just because I, you know, a movie about killing Hitler. I don't really know if that's... Uh, that's like, a movie. Like, super fictitious. Where we kill Hitler. Yeah. You're losing us. Yeah. You're losing us, Quentin. Oh, he goes to this movie premiere. <laughs> and, uh, you know, these, these Jews, they set up these bombs. Quentin, is what? this a metaphor for you being Hitler? No, 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 no. A little bit. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good movie. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, very funny. Very good very good film. Yeah. Yeah. The Bear Jew. What is it, my number four? Yeah. My number four is No Country for Old Men. Ooh. Great. Just an acting clinic by Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem. Uh, very good job yeah. by Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Josh Brolin, I will say, gets underrated in this movie because of... Harrelson and and I was gonna say Shiger because of Bardem, um, but Josh Brolin he didn't get nominated for that role, did he? I don't think so. He is incredible in that is movie. Really? Like he he is the. I don't know if that movie works without someone doing Josh Brolin's character as good as Josh Brolin does it. I don't know if that movie works quite as well, but something about his just calm demeanor through the whole thing, hmm. kind of. Gives the movie this eerie sort of quiet feel, feeling, feeling, feeling. Chaos, the movie feels quiet. And it's, it's, oh, it's such a good movie. I could watch that over and over again. I will credit those, this those movie. Those socks are three for a dollar. I just need one pair. Oh, they're, they're three for a dollar. Three for sir. a dollar. I will credit this movie. Um, now, I, I don't know if you know this. Uh, I would say this movie is the biggest influence in me getting into movies a little more seriously. Um, cause you know, I used to just watch movies for the hell of it. I don't think I ever really paid attention to a movie to the level that I did the first time I watched No Country for Old Men. And, uh, I don't know if we would have done an Oscar bonus episode this year if it weren't for this movie. I don't know if I get into movies the way that wow. I did after that. So, um, yeah, big fan. Thank you, Javier Bardem. Uh, I have not liked you in many other movies, but nah, he's, he's good. He's fine. I'm just kidding. He's been good. It's a good Bond villain. All right, I'm into my top three now. Yes, my top three. That's how numbers work. This is my top three. Mm -hmm. Uh, My third, which is how this works in order. Uh, 2015, winning Best Picture, Spotlight. Yeah. Really love that film. I really like that film. Big fan of that film. You watch it a lot? I do, actually. I've seen it probably five or six times since it came out. It's almost once a year. Michael Keaton. How can you not? I, uh... Mark Ruffalo. I have at least one Michael Keaton appearance coming up. Maybe two. Oh, I know you have one. I, maybe maybe two? two? No. Never, no, no, I'm confusing roles. Uh, one. The other guys? Was that movie nominated? <laughs> it should have been. Yeah. Really oh, should have been. Okay. If you're going to nominate a pure comedy for Best Picture... That was that's the one. up there. That was the that's one. one of the best made really funny yes. comedies. Yes. Like really funny comedies. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like 
You've nailed it. You know, like Nebraska is really funny, but it's not like crazy funny. The the other guys is like crazy funny. Oh yeah, like unbelievable. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's great. Adam Adam McKay, man. You're being arrested for a violation of uh, building permits. <laughs> scaffolding permits scaffolding yeah, yeah there it is yeah there it is that's what makes it so much funnier to me i don't know why uh my number three speaking of funny guys uh although the movie's not funny get out 2017 jordan peele uh made um what i would consider to be one of the probably i don't know handful of greatest uh um horror movies ever is get out and us both great um get out is much better than us but Us was also great. I like Get Out quite a bit. And yeah, there you go. Get Out. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, number two. Number two. Number two. Uh, Darkest Hour from 2017. Mm. Darkest mm-hmm. Hour. Lost to um, some movie about fucking fish. Um, mm. Or fish fucking. I'm not what sure a, which. What a, speaking of the darkest hour, that was the uh, the the hour following... The Shape of Water winning Best Picture. Ooh, mm-hmm. I like that. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Gary Oldman. Uh, not going to lie. Watched the trailer two or three times before realizing that that was Gary Oldman. <laughs> not before we get our boys over that bloody beach. Classic. Big fan. I, uh, I, I love I love the, 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 the scenes of him away from the office, too. Him mm. at home is hilarious. Looking for the cat under yeah, the bed. Yeah, looking for the fucking cat. Yeah. Getting his fucking juice and toasts from his wife. It is pretty funny he's swearing about the cat. Yeah. No, mm. oh, I love it. It's fantastic. Churchill away from the offices. Him on the him on the subway. That's a, it's a very that's a good, that's a very it's a good move, scene. moving scene. Everybody's just shitting their pants. Yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, my number two is Birdman or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance from 2014. So uh, I'm surprised this is number one. Mm. I thought this was your favorite film. No. Oh. It's up there, though. I see that. It's number it's two. Uh, it's number two of the movies nominated for Best Picture. Uh, yeah, no, Birdman's great. I love it. I could watch it over and over and over again. I don't get tired of it. I think everyone who's in it is in it for a reason. They're all great. Uh, the story is uh, a little bizarre, but that's why I think I like it. I don't know. It's a little outlandish for me, though. The first time I saw it, I'm like, this movie's fucking weird. But the more I watch it, the more I understand it, and the more I like it. Hmm. So, uh, big fan. I think it's go. great. I would highly recommend it if you have not seen it. I would imagine most people listening to the podcast have seen it because I talk about it all the damn time. So that's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I get to my number one here, um, how many uh, how many best picture winners did you have on your list? Winners, uh, probably none. <laughs> yeah, no. not not a one. Oh no, you've you've got one. Oh, Birdman. <laughs> then you've got two. Uh, I only have one. Okay. Oh, no country for old men win. No country for old men. Two thousand seven. I always thought there will be blood won it. No. Nope. Weird. Yeah. What? Yeah. That's wow. Yeah. Good for the Oscars. Oh yeah. Right pick. Oh yeah. Not by much though. They're like they're both really good, but I uh, I have three on my list. Four if you count the inevitable winning of nineteen seventeen. So hmm. there it is. Um number one for me, uh you mentioned it, and I uh I I agree wholeheartedly with you that it, uh, it is probably the only reason that I watch uh, films the way I do. Uh, no Country for Old Men, 2007. Best Picture winner. I like how you went on your, your little explanation about the acting and um, Josh Brolin being a great fit for his role and Woody Harrelson and and uh, I almost said Anton Chigurh again. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Javier Bardem. Uh, we didn't even discuss Tommy Lee Jones in that film, who is just an, an absolute delight. 
This is my happy face. Yeah. Oh, the, the Tommy Lee Jones, like he got to this movie and they were just like, "Hey, we need a guy to be Texan." Yeah, I can no, do that. No, not even that. It's just like, "Hey, who should we cast in this role?" Hey, Tommy Lee Jones, we need a guy to play Tommy Lee Jones. Exactly. Can you do that? Yeah. Uh, I think so. It's been a while, but I give it a go. Um, yeah, uh, Tommy Lee Jones' second greatest role uh, next to Man of the House 2003. <laughs> Are we uh, bonus episoding uh, Man <laughs> I want to go back Man and just, House. like, I want to know Tommy's, like, process of getting mm-hmm. that script reading that script and mm-hmm. thinking this is the film for tommy lee jones because mm-hmm. that is wild um what's funny about man of the house is i haven't seen it in well what's funny about man of the house is everything <laughs> but uh what's what's also interesting about man of the house is the amount of times i've seen that movie i have no recollection none of Cedric the Entertainer being in that no? movie. Oh man! I gotta. I might watch. Oh, I, I might watch this tonight. <laughs> he tries to dance his way out of the church. No, I've seen it like thirty yeah. times. I don't. I don't remember anything. I remember Christina Milian more than I remember Cedric the Entertainer. Oh, that's fair. That is fair. Yeah. Okay, that's my ten. Okay. Uh, my number one's Pulp Fiction. Uh, obviously, nineteen ninety four. My favorite movie. Okay. Uh, I have a poster of it on my wall. Um, yeah. <laughs> Pulp Fiction, you know, Royale with cheese, um, Honey Bunny, you know, my wife gets the good coffee, you know, all the good bits. Everybody, everybody knows Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. Lots of cream, lots of sugar. <laughs> if I'm Kurt, then I apologize. Great movie, uh, Harvey Keitel's in it. So, <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, kids, Harvey Keitel's in a movie. It's called Pulp Fiction. It's about uh, French cheeseburgers and motorcycles. Your father, your kid, is watch. Son of an asshole. For two years. What would you say Pulp Fiction's about? Comic book stores. <laughs> Boxing. <laughs> it's about a boxer who's the son of a Vietnam vet who gets in deep with... I don't even know how to describe jewels what's, and... What's Pulp Fiction about? Religion. <laughs> it's about how to... How not to rob a diner. <laughs> <sighs> Bad packing skills. That's what, yeah. what it's about. Or, I, I know what it's about. It's about no matter where you're in... No matter where you are in life. No matter what you have. Your treasure is yours to decide. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. So you kind of have an article coming out? No, no I no. can't put it out now. No, it's, it's shot. That's it? Oh, yeah. The whole thing's... Yeah, no, like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I uh, <laughs> I mentioned Jack Campbell. I don't mention Kyle Clifford at all. Like, I, I, th- I Kyle Clifford was not a person that I considered the Leafs would be getting at all. Um, but the article's kind of moot because I do mention a few goaltenders. and Yeah, so it's the article shot. Uh, it, it's done, but it's shot. So, oh well, what are you going to do? Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I will be writing something else because now I have to and to replace the article that I promised that I now don't have. My condolences. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even have that, so uh, good for you. You got anything yes. to plug? No, no, no I don't. Um, you, uh, <laughs> you, uh, you did have a trip to talk about uh, that, you're, that you're not going on anymore. Oh man, I'm still seething. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for the uh, third time John Mulaney has... Uh, canceled his show 
in Toronto. So uh, it's about uh, it's about five hundred dollars worth of flights that uh, are kind of moot at this point. So uh, big, uh, big, big, big John Mulaney guy. Yeah, you're mad at him, eh? Not thrilled. Mm. I did like the fact though that he 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 got his like ex boss to send a please excuse my son note to the city of Toronto. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. So, but yeah. Mm. Good old uh, good old Lauren Michaels. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, don't go see John Mulaney uh, April 10th in Toronto because he'll probably reschedule it. So. Hmm. Okay. Um. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's it. Cool. Okay. Okay. Cool. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're going to make friends in no time. Get me out of here! Where did you eat that?